Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Friday Night Football on the Farm. And the champs are here. Well, almost. But the national champion Stanford women's hoop squad is about to begin another season. Those are the things that we are covering on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. It is Thursday, November 4th, 2021. November already? Wow. Man, that that happened fast, but here we are, and Stanford women's basketball season is almost here. We're going to break it down with one of the greatest of all time. Always a pleasure to have Stanford women's basketball head coach Tara Vanderveer on the program. Looking forward to getting her wrap of last season and her preliminary thoughts on this season, what the Cardinal can do to perhaps bring another big trophy back to the farm. Meanwhile, Stanford football looking to get back into the win column. They will face the Utah Utes, and we will break down that matchup with the young man who is returning from the injury report. Finally, Stanford senior wide receiver from Simi Valley, Michael Wilson. If you've heard him on this show before, he and I talked uh, at the Pac-12 football media day back in July. We also talked a couple years ago. Uh, Really appreciate his insight and his candor, and uh, he brings it again for this conversation as well. So Tara Vanderveer and Michael Wilson, a star-studded edition of the TreeCast, which, as usual, is hosted by me. I'm just Troy Clarity, (laughs) but I'm glad to have you here. (laughs) On Twitter, at Troy Clarity, the last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. Been following Stanford football. This is my 29th season following the Cardinal. And uh, in the middle of my eighth year of Pac-12 Network play-by-play, got uh, soccer on Saturday and volleyball later on on Thursday. So uh, in between, some football action as uh, Stanford hosts the Utah Utes. That's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff. Stanford football, of course, 3-5 and five on the season, and they've uh, dropped three in a row. Most recently, a result against Washington that was right there for the taking, but couldn't close out the Huskies. Could say the same thing about the result up in Pullman against the Washington State Cougars a couple weeks previous to that. Can the Cardinal get it done against the Utah Utes, who are playing very, very well of late? More on that in a moment. A couple of quick reminders, though. First, don't forget to subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, and if you have, I certainly appreciate that, but you can subscribe to the show and check it out. And anytime that we post these things, generally twice a week during the football season, you don't have to wait for me to prompt you. Just, just look at your favorite listening app, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Amazon, iHeart. No matter which way you want to go, uh, the TreeCast will be in your space and waiting for you to check out whenever we post 
these things. So subscribe to the show, rate and review the program. I always certainly appreciate that as well. And share it. Let other folks know about uh, about the show. It's been fun doing these podcasts overall since 2015 and on the Believe Podcast Network since March of 2020. This is the go-to podcast for all Stanford fans. And hopefully today's episode continues to prove that correct. Well, getting ready for Stanford versus Utah and uh, looking at things. And, you know, after a couple of days, you know, obviously disappointed from the result against Washington. But, you know, chin up. Stanford has to face Utah. And so Stanford head coach David Shaw had his weekly media Zoom, as he usually does on Tuesday late morning. And I was in a relatively decent mood at that point. But but things kind of started to change a little bit. After Shaw dropped this on us while giving out the week's injury report, um, on the questionable side, uh, will be Tanner McKee. Wait, 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 hold, hold up. What, what, what was that? Say that again. Um, on the questionable side, uh, will be Tanner McKee. Oh man, <laughs> Tanner McKee questionable for Friday against the Utes. Um, more on this clearly in a second, but first. Believe and Bet Online are partnering once again, and but Bet Online is back and better than ever. It's a new web interface for the start of the basketball season, with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season, so head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Believe Fifty B L E A V five zero to receive your bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. As usual, we start the TreeCast with three things you need to know. And those three things center around the things you need to know for Stanford versus Utah upcoming on Friday. Let's begin with number one. And yep, Tanner McKee is questionable for Utah. You just heard the little snippet from David Shaw during his Tuesday uh, media Zoom. He did not specify why McKee is questionable. So we don't know exactly the why. Uh, how about the wins? What's the timetable for Tanner McKee going forward? Yeah, at 7.29, somebody says, hey, Tanner's up. He's up. Um, with your top players, that's what you do. Um, I don't anticipate it'll be like that. Um, we'll be wise. Um, much like our guys when we're recruiting them, we talk to them about making long-term decisions. And choosing Stanford is a long-term decision. It's not a short-term decision. I, choose, I do the same thing with our, our student-athletes' help. Um, if it's in their best interest um, to not play so we have a long-term better result, then that's what we'll do. No hesitation whatsoever. As David Shaw with his explanation as far as what he can tell us anyway about Tanner McKee, if McKee cannot go, then it'll be Jack West and perhaps a bit more Isaiah Sanders than we've seen throughout much of this season. Shaw with the latest on Jack West. Um, I talked to Jack a lot during the course of practice um, throughout the year. We talk about signals. We talk about, you know, different things. I bounce things off of him. Um, so um, I know both he and Isaiah Sanders are ready to come and come in and play if called upon. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't worry at all about Jack. He's He's been ready to step in um, the entire year so. I know he's ready to go. So David Shaw, not worried if it happens to be Jack West's show against the Utah Utes. The rest of Tuesday's injury report later on in the show. Let's get to number two. 
And we talked a lot about the Stanford offensive line, both going into and unfortunately, especially given the subject matter, uh, coming out of the result against the Washington Huskies. And uh, specifically, we saw the rotation at right tackle. Miles Hinton, the normal starter, now in a rotation with Branson Bragg, who got the start at that spot and played most of that game in that position with Jake Hornerbrook playing a lot of right guard and also seeing a little bit of time at left uh, guard as well. Well, Shaw seemed a bit pleased with that rotation and how things worked against the Huskies. After we all saw some market improvement in run blocking early in the fourth quarter against the Washington Huskies, but only during that stretch, I asked David Shaw on Tuesday how Stanford can maintain and build upon that stretch. His answer? There are moments where we look like us. Right? There were some really nice runs. There's some nice holes. Um, guys giving extra effort. Um, Austin Jones, you know, coming through, making some really nice runs. Um, but we, we, we just have to have more consistency there. Um, but like you said, though, still with the game on the line, us needing to do it, our guys did it, um, you know, multiple times in that second half. Now we got to have it the entire game. But the bottom line for me is, what we've done with the line, you know, Coach Hefferton has done, Coach Hefferton has done a great job of, of finding the rules for everybody and now playing to their strengths. Um, and hopefully we see continue to see more progress the rest of the season. All right. Yeah, that's that's a pretty generic answer. But really, I suspect the true answers aren't really anything that can be solved in season. It can't can't magically get stronger in one week. But Stanford certainly has a big time test up front against the Utah Utes, who are even bigger and even more physical in a lot of ways than the Washington Huskies. Let's move on to number three. And always great to see Stanford players getting nominated for big-time national hardware. Quarterback Isaiah Sanders is nominated for the Danny Werfel Trophy, which is known as college football's premier award for community service. That's great stuff. And linebacker Ricky Miazon is up for the Mayo Clinic Comeback Player of the Year. Ricky He's gone through a lot just to get to this season, fighting off injuries, having the last couple of years for him end prematurely due to injury. So he had to go through a lot just to get to on the field this year. And he certainly made an impact in 2021. I asked Shaw about Miazon and Shaw started beaming like a proud pop. I'm so proud of Ricky. And Ricky's one of those two that he's a fourth year guy and he's a leader on our football team. He still hasn't played a lot of football, right? He's missed so much time last year and the year before. And for him to come back and play the way that he's playing, um, I'm so proud of him. He's fought through a lot. He is tough, he is smart, and he is getting better and better and better. Um, and so I, I'm really proud that he's got that recognition. Um, yeah, he, he's, nobody would be more deserving, all right? Um, the way he's come to work, the way he's, he's fought through things and established himself, as a, as a top-notch inside linebacker. So I'm uh, very excited for him uh, and, and his family because he, he does deserve that. As David Shaw and Ricky Miazon, congrats to Ricky and Isaiah Sanders. Those are three things. We'll get back to football in just a moment or so, but we don't keep the all-time greats waiting when they join us on this program. And the last time our first special guest on this episode of the TreeCast joined us. It was September 2020. Uh, sports were still shut down. And she told us that she just wanted her team to win the wait. Well, after the wait was over, her team won the national championship. 
Stanford women's basketball beginning another campaign, and this time they've got the 2021 National Championship trophy in hand. What can we expect from the Cardinal this upcoming year? No one better to ask that to than the five-time National Coach of the Year, three-time National Champion, and entering her 36th season as the head coach of Stanford women's basketball. Always an honor to be joined on the TreeCast by Tara Vanderveer. Coach, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How are you doing today? Gray, I'm doing great. It's a busy day. I'm excited to talk to you. Excited to talk about our team. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, uh, and the Pac-12. Yeah, it's, it's going to be another dogfight throughout the it course is. of a Pac-12 play, even before you get uh, to the NCAA tournament. Uh, winning a championship is certainly a challenge, but certainly handling winning a championship is a challenge as well. How have you and the team handled the big trophy that you guys were able to handle uh, and, and hoist at the, at the very end of last year? Well, you know, I think that um, it's kind of weird, but everything is a little bit subdued. You know, the whole year was subdued. No fans, you know, no hoopla. Um, you know, even when we won, I mean, we had a little parade, but, you know, we didn't go to the White House. Uh, we didn't have, uh, you know, the, the stuff that would happen. So uh, our, our team has not had to handle like, the, uh, uh, you know, just a hurricane or, a, you know, a barrage of stuff, stuff, stuff. So in some ways, I think we're well rested and ready to go. Um, you know, we're excited um, to have another great season. We've got a lot of great players back and we're excited to, in, you know, in, incorporate our new players into our system. Yeah, we'll get your further thoughts on some of those players here in just a moment or so. But but first, you, I mean, by your own admission, a couple of years ago, you were a bit exhausted. Yep. Entering last year, you were invigorated. How are you feeling entering this year? Uh, I feel great. Um, you know, I think, I think I've learned how to pace myself a little bit and, uh, you know, save the tread on my tire. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I do different things in the off season um, and I've kind of gotten into a, a really good workout routine. And, you know, I have a fantastic staff, uh, just a, you know, very experienced coaches with uh, uh, the associate head coach, Kate Pay, uh, Katie Stedding, former Stanford, great, mm -hmm. uh, Brittany Anderson, all three are fantastic. Plus all of the people I work with, uh, you know, um, my video coordinator, um, everyone, uh, director of basketball ops, they're very experienced and they're, they, they really, um, they divide the work. So it's, it's not like I have to do everything at all. And you yourself has all have also learned the uh, the value of unplugging, which I think we can all yes, <laughs> I do. And learn from. I do for sure. Uh, let's talk about the squad. Uh, Haley Jones, by all accounts, probably going to get top billing. What uh, when you when you look at this team overall, um, what she brought to this squad so far, and what's expected of her this upcoming season? Well, uh, you know, Haley had a great tournament. Um, you know, coming off of uh, you know kind of a a tough freshman year with an injury. Um, you know, she, I think she's really improved since the tournament. Uh, she's really worked on her shot. I think she's more, more consistent three-point shooter. I think her defense has improved. Uh, she's being more vocal on the court with her teammates. Um, you know, she's being a team leader. So uh, we're, I think, you know, we're, we're very excited to see the things that she can bring to the team. Uh, Anna Wilson coming back for yeah. a sixth How year. How exciting is that? We're very yeah. excited. Yeah. yeah. Yes. How, how much better uh, Anna, you sleep I call her grandma. Her I call her grandma. Some other coaches call her Dr. Wilson. Um, she's, uh, she's doing very well, doing very well. We're really excited to have her back. 
Yeah. What are some of the things that she brings, you know, not just on the court, but all the hustle and all the experience, the fact that she wants to be at Stanford six years, you know, she loves being here. Um, She's having a great, great preseason. We're really excited about, um, you know, what she's doing. She, um, you know, her leadership is, is outstanding. Cameron Brink was a player who seemed to really be a catalyst for Stanford, especially in January, uh, at, right. at a point where the Cardinal may have needed a bit of a jump start uh, in in some respects, and she was she was that at that point mm-hmm. in the season. How much has she grown since then? Well, you know, we lost back to back games, and Cam went into our starting lineup, and we won twenty games in a row. So um, she she's a uh, Cam worked really hard in the off season in the summer. Um, she's a phenomenal talent and I think she's just getting better and better. She's getting more physical. Um, she knows what we're doing better. I mean, the freshman last year had to learn our offense on zoom. Come on. That's pretty challenging. Other folks or introduce us to the freshmen, a couple of McDonald's all Americans coming into the squad. Introduce us to some of them. We have uh, four freshmen, but we have one, a grad transfer and Jordan Mm -hmm. Hamilton from Mm -hmm. Northwestern, who, uh, I think is, you know, really learning our system and it's, um, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. And she's doing very, very well. Um, uh, a guard freshman, uh, Janiah Harrell, um, you know, will come along well. Um, but, you know, when you're in the mix with a, a six year, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not going to compete right away for playing time as a freshman. Um, so there, I think they have to be patient. Uh, we have a great um, player, uh, El- Elena Bosgana is from Greece. She's fantastic. Um, really, really outstanding player. Um, Brooke Dimitri from Southern California and Kiki Arifin from Southern California uh, are both post players that are going to contribute and are making our practices really, really competitive. But, um, you know, when you're joining a defending national championship team with 11 of 12 players back, uh, it's, uh, it's hard every day. And they're, um, they're doing extremely well. Yeah, how many more knowns uh, uh, with with the players co- that you have coming back this year, and with you know a bit less of a COVID cloud hanging over everything right now, at least at this point anyway. How many more knowns do you have this year, entering this season, than you might have had entering last season? You know what? I think what we know is uh, we have confident players, and you know we know what it takes. Um, the the biggest unknown for us right now is the point guard position. And if we, you know, we can get that one ironed out. Um, I think we'll be in great shape. Who are some of the uh, potential candidates there? Uh, Anna Wilson is doing a great job. It might be by committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Hamilton, uh, Jana Van Guytenbeek, uh, Lacey Hull. Uh, I think everyone's going to have to work on their handle. Everyone is going to have to help handle. A couple last things here for you. And uh, one of the subplots, unfortunately, during the postseason last year were some of the inequities uh, between the women's tournament and the men's tournament. And of course, that was pointed out um, you know, by, by, by the Stanford staff. And it just kind of, you know, took on, you know, a, a, that story took on a life of its own throughout the course of not only that tournament, but also the Women's College World Series as well. Right. Uh, since that point, um, have, have there been tangible changes or have there been, have there been the ability to have, have tangible changes since then? Uh, since you know, Troy, I, I, I think that there, um, are, there are more eyeballs on the, the problem. And quite honestly, when the Kaplan report came out, it was worse than I ever even imagined. So, um, you know, number one thing, you know, yes, there'll be March madness on the women's basketball floors, but we need more than that. That's, I think that that's just a, a to, you know, it's, that's a little bit token. Um, 
But uh, I think we need to see budgets. We need to see, um, you know, support, promotion of the women's tournament, uh, all the things that, you know, that, you know, you've got, you can't have steak for the boys and hot dogs for the girls. And that's, that's what we've had. And I'm, I'm hoping there will be major, major uh, changes, uh, fair, and not just for women's basketball, but for all women's sports, you know, because there's disparity between what's happening with baseball and softball. Why? Softball probably draw outdraws baseball in terms of ESPN, you know, in terms of, um, you know, viewership. Uh, why is there a difference in, uh, you know, the diff all the men's sports versus the women's sports? Um, it's sexist. And I think we have to get rid, rid of the, the isms. No, no more sexism. Yeah, the product is certainly there. Basketball, softball, the product is there in a major, major, major way. Right. All right, let's wrap it up on this. Um, All right, Troy. Stanford picked to win the Pac-12 by both the coaches and the media. All the players coming back. What's fair to expect from this team right now? You know, I'm not going to look at the end of the road. I'm going to enjoy the process. Um, so many things can happen. Number one, last year, we were really fortunate. We were very healthy. We've got to stay healthy. We've got to have great sisterhood on our team, great camaraderie, and, and uh, we've got to improve, uh, and we've got to be hungry. So I don't have any, um, you know, I don't have any expectations, but to work hard today and get better and, you know, not put something out there like what, what seed do we have to be, all, all kinds of stuff like that. That will happen. Um, I have confidence in our staff and our, our team. Um, we've got great leadership, great players, and we want to go out and have fun. We're the biggest thing is fans are coming back and we're very excited about that. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, this, uh, this squad certainly deserves to have fans yes. in the stands with all yes. eyeballs on them. Can't wait to get to watch Thank this you. team once again, coach, best of luck, best of Thank health. You, Troy. Can't talk to you soon. So, look forward to seeing you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Always an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to not just chat with Tara Vanderveer, but to listen to her as well. Stanford women's basketball beginning with an exhibition this Saturday against Clark. And then the regular season tips off November 11th against Morgan State. Pretty intriguing non-conference slate. Uh, Texas, Maryland, Tennessee, South Carolina also looming in the distance in non-conference play and of, of course all sorts of things lurk in the Pac-12 after that it's, it's going to be fun and, and as coach and I talked about uh, women's basketball nationally in college basketball fantastic product and it was a, certainly a great product uh, throughout the entire NCAA tournament from start to finish it also applies uh, to the softball uh, product as well if you're if you haven't had a chance to check out women's college basketball or, or softball of late and maybe also a lot of the other women's sports products. I'm heavily involved in calling uh, women's soccer for the Pac-12 network. That's fantastic stuff. A lot of Stanford fans are, are, are well aware of that. Uh, you owe it to yourself uh, to, to check out and support uh, what is a fantastic, fantastic product uh, all the way around. And certainly Stanford women's basketball carrying the torch this year, not just for the Pac-12, but, but nationwide. And Haley Jones carrying the torch for Stanford along, along with Lexi Hall. Uh, also all Pac-12 honors last year, Fran Belibi, um, who uh, started to make a bit of a mark uh, throughout much of last season as well. And uh, good to get uh, Tara's thoughts uh, on Haley and Anna Wilson. Boy, is she glad that uh, Anna's coming back. Uh, quick story. The last time that Tara and I talked before this chat, 
was uh, actually back in January, and uh, that was that was as Stanford was coming off the heels of back-to-back losses to Colorado and to UCLA, and Stanford just couldn't get an offensive rebound in the closing moments um, against the Bruins. Now I talked to, to Tara the day after that because I was calling Stanford's next game against USC for the Pac-12 Network, and uh, um, she wasn't in a great mood uh, for that one. But uh, after that chat, Stanford won 20 straight including the national championship. Coincidence? Yeah, completely. (laughs) Because certainly with Tara leading the way and the fantastic players on that team, certainly. Look, I'd love to take the credit (laughs) for the Cardinal turning it around and uh, going on that streak to close out the season. But no, that team team was too good last year and largely still is too good, it seems, coming into this one. Who's going to, the point guard going to be? Well, we'll start to, We'll start to find things out um, more likely starting next week. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to learn in the exhibition against Clark. And that's Clark with an E coming up uh, on Saturday. But uh, always appreciative of uh, Tara Vanderveer's time. And so uh, glad that uh, she could, uh, uh, especially with the busy part of the season, uh, getting ready for everything coming up. Glad she could uh, take out a few moments and spend some time with us. Uh, Men's basketball, of course, tips off on Tuesday against Tarleton State. Caught up with Jared Haas, Stanford men's basketball head coach at uh, Pac-12 Men's Hoops Media Day last month. Uh, you can go back in the vault and hear that chat in the October 14th episode. Basketball is almost here. Should be intriguing on both the women's and the men's sides. Diving back into football as the Cardinal are getting ready to host the Utah Utes on Friday evening. Uh, we told you about Tanner McKee early on, his status in question, his health in question for this week and hopefully for just this week. The rest of Shaw's injury report from Tuesday, a couple of guys are out, including running back and punt returner Casey Filkins and tight end Lucas Unger. Wide receivers John Humphreys and Elijah Higgins in the questionable category. Higgins missed a few plays last week. Indications seem to be that he might be okay uh, for this one. We'll see. And, of course, John Humphreys hasn't played against Arizona State, and in some ways the Stanford offense hasn't quite been the same. Good news for the secondary defensive backs, Salim Turner-Muhammad and Ethan Bonner are probable, and tight end Bradley Archer has been given the green light to return, as has our next special guest, one of the leaders of the squad, one of the captains for the Stanford football team, and for my money, probably if I had to, if I if you had to ask me who the most competitive guy on the squad is, I'd have to say it's this young man from Simi Valley, California, the senior wide receiver Michael Wilson, who has missed the entirety of the season so far this year. Got hurt against the Washington Huskies last year, and it's been a bit of a wait, a much longer wait. But now, finally given the green light to participate and play against the Utah Utes this upcoming Friday. After Wednesday's walkthrough, Mike Wilson and I caught up. All right, Mike, obviously it's coming probably a lot later than you would have wanted to. But finally, the green light. It's finally here for you. How you feeling heading into the week? Yeah, I feel really, I think the word is just feel really at this point I feel I just realize how much of a privilege it is to play the game of football um, you know every time I walk out the field now it's a year ago it's just uh, just another day but now I'm, I'm thankful that I made it through a practice healthy body's feeling good so I'm just so fortunate and privileged to be able to play football and I just can't wait to 
play a game. It's been 47 weeks total, so almost a year long. Um, so I'm just really, really happy at, at, at this point, at this moment. And let's get your thoughts on Utah here in a moment or so. 47 weeks, but who's counting? Yeah. Welcome back to the field. Uh, as one of the captains of this team, yeah. I'm sure you have your finger squarely on the pulse of, of what the guys are feeling and thinking mm -hmm. right now. And I'd imagine that there is a little bit of frustration amongst the guys. Uh, what, what's your sense uh, about the mental state of the team heading into this week? Yeah, I think definitely frustrated. Obviously, look at the last two games. I mean, the difference between 5-3 and three and 3-5 three and five comes down to a play or two here and there, right? We, I mean, we had the opportunity to close out both games against Washington State and against Washington, and we, we didn't close the game out in both situations. Um, so the team's definitely frustrated, but with that, there's more of a fire. And, um, you know, at this point, what we're fighting for is a bowl game. We're fighting for the action. We're fighting to beat Notre Dame. Um, and so, obviously, the bowl game, this is a must-win game for us to win seven games or win six games, what have you. So um, the team is just hungry, and we don't want to be home come December 1st eating popcorn watching other teams play. We want to be involved in a bowl game, and that's that's the goal. So Yeah, overall, what's gone right? What could be going better for the squad right now? Yeah, I mean, I think you, we can pinpoint and point fingers, and at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to everyone looking at themselves in the mirror and realizing what we each can do uh, better, right? Receivers got to do a better job catching the ball, probably creating separation. Um, some of the quarterbacks maybe giving us a better ball, but right, running game, running backs. I mean, we could, we're losing obviously, so there's a lot of glaring things on tape that everyone can do better, but um, this isn't a time to point, point fingers and nitpick. It's just time to just go harder and get back to the drawing board and figure out what we each can do as an individual to, to help the team win. The receiving room has been an intriguing one to watch all throughout the course of the season. Elijah yeah. Higgins with big plays, uh, questionable at last check for this one. Obviously, Bryson Tremaine was off to a fantastic start. Uh, John Humphreys, not sure about his availability as we speak here um, for, for Utah coming into this one. But, but overall, a lot, of, a lot of guys have shown flashes. What have you seen from the, re from the rest of the receivers to this point? Yeah, I think, you know, we've seen a lot. I've, nothing that they've done has surprised me. Right, I've known that John Humphreys is an absolute baller. I've known Elijah Higgins is a freak in nature and going to be playing this game for a long time. I've known Bryson Tremaine is a magnet and catches any ball you throw within a, you know, a mile of him, he's going to come down with it. Um, and Bryce Farrell's done some really good things. Silas Starr, we've been able to see him get in the game a little bit. So nothing's a surprise for me. Um, I just think we've had some really unfortunate injuries and Unfortunately, our room had to catch the injury bug this year, um, which kind of set us back a little bit. But um, we should be getting some guys back in the next coming weeks. So I'm just excited for everyone to kind of rejoin and uh, us to be as strong as we can uh, for our late push in the season. So, Obviously, returning from injury, there's a physical component, yeah. but there's a pretty large mental and, and yeah. psychological component to right. it as well. Kind of take me through... Yeah. the process from that standpoint for you and how it's gone for you mentally and psychologically yeah. over the past almost year. Yeah, so I think it's definitely been a lot mental, but a lot fit, a lot. Fit, I've, I've been, I've got so many CT scans in the past five months. If I told you the number, you probably wouldn't believe me, right? So um, when I got the final green light from the doctors, um, just almost immediately, I felt like kind of a relief off my shoulder. Right, um, and with that came my foot feeling better, just because there's there's no doubt anymore that my foot's not healed, um, and so 
yeah, obviously the first couple days I was running routes, um, it was really sore and timetable got pushed back after imaging showed it wasn't fully healed and I think we went through about three months of it, it expect or the doctors expecting it to be healed, wasn't healed, pushed it back another four weeks, pushed it back another four weeks and on the final one finally showed complete healing um, and so my foot's feeling really good. Um, you know, obviously coming back with any injury, you're going to have some soreness uh, due to increased activity, but nothing alarming. I'm feeling really good. I'm just excited to, to play this week and just trust. Big word is just trust. Trust my skills, trust my foot, trust the quarterback, trust myself. Um, and yeah, just trust. You mentioned trusting the quarterback. Yeah. That's a bit of a question yeah. as we speak right now. Mm -hmm. Tanner McKee listed as questionable, right. perhaps an announcement before 730. If not him, yeah. Jack West, maybe a little Isaiah Sanders uh, beyond his normal role yeah. um, as well. Take me through trusting the quarterback yeah. and, and, and what you need to do and how you work on trusting not just the number one guy, not just QB1, but multiple guys because you never know who's going to be taking a snap at any given time. Yeah, so I think when it comes down to is just doing what I can control, right? What I can control is how I be pressed, how well I run my routes, my effort, my intensity, how well I block. Um, right, I can't control a ball that's thrown to me. Um, I can't control what play is going to be called. Right, I can't control what Jack's read is on a particular play. What I can control is just myself, and I think if I do what I need to do and am good with my technique and play aggressive and play fast and play strong, play big, play physical, all the above, uh, you know, all our quarterbacks are good, good enough to give us a good ball. Right, so if I think if I do my, I know if I do my part, they're going to do theirs as well. Um, one of our team covenant kind of themes this year is just do your 111th, right? So all of us have football is a really a man-on-man -man game, right? Mano mano. If I do I, every play, I'm have one assignment. I probably have to beat one guy, right? Quarterback, same thing. Um, and so if I beat my guy, I know Jack or Isaiah or Tanner is gonna give me a good ball. So that's all I can worry about. How much communication can take place between quarterback and receiver? pre-snap how much of that tends to happen yeah so I mean there's a lot obviously and and you know in our Stanford offense quarterbacks they're going through a lot of pre-snap reads um, usually backside one-on-one always have to be alert for signals we have um, discrete signals whether it's changing a route from a, from a go to a slant to a Venus what have you right so always keep my eyes on the quarterback until I see the ball snap um, and then if I'm to the field, or obviously, you know, the quarterbacks, we have a let it roll kill system, right? So we're always going out with two plays, sometimes three plays, sometimes four at the most. Um, and so that's, I'm always keying for the kill signals or the let it rolls or uh, whatever signal Jack's calling out the safeties, whatever. Um, so there's a lot of communication that goes on. A lot that needs to be coordinated, and I'm sure that uh, that process will be in full, for, in full effect again this upcoming Friday against the Utah Utes. Utah playing well coming into this one. What are some things that pop out, uh, pop out at you at the tape when you uh, when you watch when you watch these guys? Yeah, solid defense. I mean, their front, their defense alignment solid. A lot of old guys too. A lot of experience. Uh, I think they probably have one of the best linebackers in the conference, if not the country, and Devin Lloyd. Um, solid but young DB room. Um, play a lot of one high, going to see a lot of press. So the big story is can we beat press coverage, can we beat man coverage, and can we give the quarterbacks, you know, decent alleys and windows to throw the ball, right? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough 
matchup for the receivers, tough matchup for the running backs, tough matchup for the quarterbacks, O-line. Um, it's going to be a physical matchup, and uh, you know we have to come in with a whatever-it-takes mentality if we want to beat this football team because they definitely are everything their record is and more. So um, I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be a physical game. I can't wait to bring everything I have. Should be intriguing as we wrap this up. Your overall key for Stanford, I mean, Calder's just flipped to November. This is this is the money month. This yeah. is where this is where the rubber meets the road. This is what the the season usually always boils down to. Right. What's Stanford gonna have to do to have a successful November and make sure that it stays in the mix uh, for potential bowl bid at the end of this thing? I think we just have to dial down and make some plays that I mean, just give that extra extra effort, a um, little more attention to detail, a little bit more execution. We haven't executed the way we wanted to. Um, it's always one missed block. If this guy would have done this, this play would be a touchdown, right? It's always one. We just have to be more technically sound. We just have to execute better. If we execute well, everyone does their 111. I think we're looking at this thing come November 28th after we play Notre game being 7-5. and five. All right, I think we play our best game. We're talented enough. We have the guys. I don't think we can be beat, right? Coach Shaw was talking about it after practice today. Our, our ceiling is really high but our floor is really low too, right? So in other words, when we play really well, we're really, really good. But when we're not doing well and things aren't clicking, we're also really, really bad. So what we need to do is our ceiling doesn't need to be raised. Our floor needs to be brought up so we can eliminate some of those bad plays that kill drives. And I mean, if you're a Stanford fan, you know exactly what we're talking about. Um, so bringing the floor up is, I think, the key mark for this game and beyond. Big test. Yeah. But you've passed a lot of big tests yourself personally yeah. over the past 47 weeks yeah. or so. So glad that you're going to be back on the field. Uh, best of luck and best of health, not only this week against Utah, but down the road. Always yeah. appreciate the time. Thank you, Troy. Appreciate you. It's Michael Wilson. Always enjoy chatting with him and uh, glad to see him getting back on the field. He will be much, much needed for whomever is, is, is throwing the ball for Stanford um, on Friday. And uh, interesting that, that he tended to mention uh, Jack West's name first when talking about the quarterbacks. Um, I, I wouldn't really read too much into that because Jack has been the one that's been practicing, and Isaiah as well. Tanner McKee has not been practicing with his uh, questionable um, health status for uh, for Friday. So I, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into that as far as as far as who's eventually going to be taking the snaps on Friday. But but certainly, you know, Jack West is is going to be very much in the mix, and Michael Wilson, who is who has provided leadership off the field strictly to this point, is uh, finally going to get to provide it on the field as well. This is a Friday game, the second one of the year for Stanford. And short week coming off of, of that result against the Washington Huskies and can be a bit tough. Look, it's tough to prepare for any Pac-12 opponent even if you do have the the full allotment of off days in between, or at least preparation days in between. There are no off days this time of year in college football. we got to get ready to go, man. This is Mike and I talking about this. is It's November. It's, it's the money month. It's, it's time, man. But, yes, it's a Friday game, Stanford's second one of the year. And, you know, when it comes to scheduling, uh, there are two things that, that David Shaw certainly does not seem to be very, very fond of. That's early Pacific time kickoffs and Friday games. Uh, over the last few years, um, I've grown to 
hate these Friday games. I absolutely hate them. Uh, I don't think they're fair to the coaches. I don't think they're especially fair to the student athletes. Um, you don't have enough time for your bodies to recover. Uh, a while ago, we used to all, you know, dislike those Thursday night games because, you know, guys would miss class on Thursday and Friday. Uh, but now I, I would love to push back and, and get those Thursday night games back. So at the very least, you don't play the previous Saturday and you don't play the following Saturday. Um, I think those are much better for recovery and, and our and our student athletes health. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, say what you want to about Thursday games and we all did, but at least you got the Saturday before off. There was that. And it's why it's why I really didn't like Stanford's chances at Arizona State. Even when I saw the schedule come out, what was that? Early May, mid-May, somewhere around there. I was like, uh-oh. Stanford's gonna get on the road and play on a Friday at Arizona State. That's gonna be a real big and tall ask for the Cardinals. And it turned out it was. Now, does that mean I like Stanford's chances against Utah this time around on a Friday night? Well, <laughs> as, as David Shaw says, it's less of an less of a disadvantage rather for the home team. Uh, the road team for this one is Utah. Um, they're tough. They're physical. They have certainly gotten the better of Stanford uh, more often than not. It seems of late. Right now, they're five and three on the season, but they've won four of their last five. A big comeback win against Arizona State a few weeks ago. Sun Devils haven't been the same since. And they knocked off UCLA last week, 44-24. to Utes have a clear path to the Pac-12 South title. Quarterback Cameron Rising took over the job as QB1 against San Diego State. You might remember Charlie Brewer actually started the first three games, but after Rising started getting some playing time, Brewer said, I'm out, I'm bolting, I'm transferring. Direct me to the portal post-haste. I'm sure Charlie Brewer does not talk like a 19th century villain or something like that, but, but you get what I mean. Uh, since getting to, since to taking over the gig, Rising has played very, very well. David Shaw's certainly impressed by what he sees from Cameron Rising. You don't look at the statistics. Um, you just look at the production on game day. Um, if he needs to scramble and take off and, and run through contact to get a first down, that's what he does. If he needs to throw the deep ball, you know, if he needs to throw the intermediate ball, um, it's it's whatever whatever team has need, needed him to do, he's done it. Um, so uh, that's that's really been the story of, of this season for the for Utah. It's David Shaw, and oh, check this out. Cam Rising punts as well. We didn't know this until last week. Rising surprise punted twice against the Bruins, put them both within the 10-yard line. And he was he was actually nominated for Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week. I actually thought about voting for him for 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 a quick second, but no, there was there was another more uh, more more uh, there was another candidate who I thought had earned it just a bit more, and that candidate actually ended up winning the uh, Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week award um, for last week's action. Well, Rising also gets plenty of help from his backfield, which is certainly not music to Stanford fans' ears, especially uh, folks who are well aware of Stanford's struggles in containing the run. Tavion Thomas gashed the Bruins for 160 yards rushing last week and has 10 touchdowns on the ground already this year. Micah Bernard and TJ Pledger are also backs to watch. Wide receiver and punt returner Britton Covey. Britton Covey, I should say. Well, I, I should know how to say his name completely. He's back for his 19th year of eligibility. 
I, I kid, but he's he's been around a while. And, and he's still making plays, making clutch catches, and also making big contributions in the special teams department for the Utes. Uh, Covey also might be the most interesting man in Pac-12 football this fall. I eavesdropped on uh, much of his session at uh, Pac-12 Football Media Day back in July, and it was really it was really scintillating stuff. It was fun to listen to him. Uh, defensively, watch Utah's linebackers, Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell. They're all over the place, and they can certainly wreak havoc sideline to sideline, backfield to downfield. They get to basically any point on the field, and Stanford is certainly going to have their hands full uh, trying to account for those guys number one, and then neutralizing them, number two. Utes, of course, are also playing with heavy hearts. Um, Ty Jordan, who had such a great season at running back for the Utes last year, he was actually Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year, uh, but he died on Christmas Day in an accidental shooting. And then just over a month ago, Aaron Lowe passed away as well. Lowe was also Jordan's high school teammate, and they both wore number 22, Lowe wearing number 22 this season in honor of his fallen teammate. Well, Utah retired the number 22 just this past week uh, during that game against UCLA. And uh, Stanford is also remembering those two young men by painting the 22-yard line hash marks in a shade of Utah red. So the Utes um, playing for, for just a little bit more. Than, than just the, the normal things, uh, not just this week, but also going forward for the rest of the season. Um, no easy way to segue from that into what I see as the keys to, to Friday night, but, but here we go. Um, step one, and, and this might be more, more of a flow chart than anything else, is Tanner McKee Stanford starting quarterback? If yes, then the Cardinals' chances are much better. Let's just call it what it is. If not then a whole lot more dominoes have to fall in order for Stanford to be in the mix and be able to play a 60-minute game against the Utah Utes. So really, step one is is who's the starting quarterback uh, going to be. If it ends up being Jack West and a little bit of Isaiah Sanders as well, West needs to make some big throws. Uh, He hasn't exactly shown that he can do that. Um, when he has had the keys to the Stanford offense. Uh, he's made some little throws, but in order to be a team like the Utes, you got to make big ones. You got to make some big throws at some point throughout the game. Step number two, Stanford's got to find a, find some ways to stretch that Utes defense. Um, they're big and they're physical. Phone booth football is not going to work against the Utes especially not the way that Stanford has fared for the most part up front this year. Stanford has just not been strong enough to, to – they weren't strong enough to handle the Washington Huskies on, on both sides of the line last week. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Utah is even bigger and even more physical. Phone booth football isn't going to work. Stanford is going to need to find ways to stretch out that defense, try to make plays in space if it can. This is where it's good to have E.J. Smith – and as he might be, might be a focal point, a more of a focal point for the Stanford passing attack in this one. Uh, find ways to creative ways to get Ben Urosic open. We saw some of those creative ways against the Huskies last week. That was that was neat to see. 
And this offense has missed some consistency without John Humphreys making key catches, especially on slants and, and plays like that. Well, that's pretty much Michael Wilson's position. So we'll see if Wilson is 100 or is, is anywhere near close to 100%, um, if he needs to shake off some rust, which wouldn't surprise me. It's been 47 weeks, but again, who's counting? Uh, so let's, let's, let's see if and how Stanford can find ways to stretch Utah out defensively. And step three, Stanford's defense had better bring its tackling shoes. There were times early in the fourth quarter against the Huskies last week where Stanford actually swarmed to the ball and where the Huskies were having trouble trying to shake free of Stanford defensively. It'll be great to see that again. Pursue the ball, get there, make the tackle as close to the line of scrimmage as humanly possible. Stanford is going to have to perform orders of magnitude better than it has defensively in the tackling department, in the pursuit department, in the physicality department. And much the same goes for the offensive side of the ball as well. A lot of dominoes are going to have to fall for Stanford to beat Utah. Let's just call this what it is. And the line of dominoes gets longer if Tanner McKee, if number 18 isn't out there taking snaps. Now, that being said, am I going to say that Stanford has no shot? No. Have you seen Pac-12 football this year? Hell, have you seen Stanford? Not many folks thought they had a chance to beat Oregon. They did. Not many folks thought the Cardinal had a chance to beat USC. They did. Not many folks thought that Washington State could beat Arizona State down in Tempe. Boy, that was a hot, buttered, golden beatdown the Cougs served up on the Sun Devils. Do not be fooled by that final score. That was... Domination for the most part. And all sorts of other funky results up and down the Pac-12 that we've seen that have been that have left a bunch of us scratching our heads. So no, I'm not gonna not gonna count Stanford out of this by any stretch. That being said, there's a lot that needs to go right for the Cardinal to get it done against the Utes. Will they get it done? That would be great. Bring Stanford closer to 500 and keep them in the mix for a potential bowl bid at the end of it all. You've got thoughts. I always welcome them. Hit me on Twitter with the hashtag, with the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast, that's the best way to make sure that I see what you have got on your mind. Uh, normally, we come your way on Thursday mornings during the football season and on Sundays, usually around midday. Now, with the short week being what it is, and with my Pac-12 Network play-by-play duties on Saturday, calling Cal Stanford Women's Soccer, the uh, regular season finale for both of those for both of those squads, that should be a lot of fun, as it always is. Um, normally I would say, Hey, with the short week on Friday, we'll see you on Saturday. Nope. Uh, I, I, I'm feeling a bit more confident that we'll see you as normal 
uh, on Sunday around midday. And hopefully we're talking about some good things. And hopefully we're talking about Stanford uh, getting a much, much needed win and getting its November started off on the right foot. Uh, no matter what we're talking about, we'll be here next time. Make sure you're here for it. Subscribe to the TreeCast via your favorite listening app. And of course, once again, always appreciate it when you subscribe, download, rate, review, react on your favorite message board if, you, if you're inclined to do such things. And enjoy these shows. Special thanks to our special guests, Stanford women's basketball head coach and the legend, Tara Vanderveer. That was pretty cool. And Stanford senior wide receiver, Michael Wilson. Of course, the biggest thanks goes out to you for checking us out and being a part of the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Back the pack and back the vac. Aaron Rodgers, good Lord. (laughs) What do you expect from a cow guy? Um, We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for being with us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.